Amen. So Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for how great you are, our friend, our saviour. Jesus, we love you and thank you that you are amongst us today. So God, in this moment, as we continue to commit our time, our hearts, our minds to you today, Holy Spirit, as you speak, may you give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Great. Massive thank you to James and Esther for hosting the service today and uh, Jean to, um, for leading a time of prayer as well. And of course, we had the second part of that interview with uh, Johnny Lee just a moment ago. And um, part three is coming up for that next week as he continues to talk a little bit about the prophetic with today being really focused on love being at the centre. However, I do feel it important to say, as I watched that interview, I thought <clears throat> there are three bold men involved in the service today. And I'd just like everybody to know, hey, if you are male with hair, you are also able to be involved in the service. Um, and so uh, it's not like a, a bold thing that we've got going on. So there we go. Um, OK, right. Today, I'm going to talk about the good news of Jesus, because we all love some good news. Let's think about some situations where there are good news. The good news of when we heard that lockdown would be ending. Remember that announcement? Remember that moment? But the good news of when holidays will be able to happen or hearing the good news of the day when we were able to go and see family once again. What about the good news when your mechanic calls you up and the bill isn't as big as you thought it would be, if any bill at all? What about the good news when the doctor calls and everything is Okay. What about the good news when a parent finds their lost child? All of these and many more moments of good news. And often good news can be tied to a, a defining moment, a definitive moment or event. But today, what if we were to try and think of good news as a number of events, a number of expressions of happenings, of a number of not just defining moments, but daily moments as well. The good news that unfolds throughout daily life. I do believe that the good news of Jesus includes a defining moment, the cross, but also good news that permeates throughout the fullness of the life of Jesus. So we're going to come back to that and hold that for a moment. Good news is something that isn't just one defining moment, but is a series of moments. What did the good news mean in the New Testament? What does it mean in the New Testament context of that Jesus saves? Well, I think it would mean this, that God came as a human, his son, Jesus, to rescue us. He led us 
to be reconciled to the Father, that by grace, Jesus the Christ restored us to oneness with God, to the unity and harmony intended for us since Eden in the Genesis story. So how did this happen? Did it take place just on one day as mentioned or at one single point? Or in fact, of course, as we, as I mentioned, the cross being definitive, I think at the same time, let's not diminish the the incarnation, the life and teachings of Jesus, the resurrection and his ascension. There's a, a fullness to the story of salvation that our salvation began the instant that the eternal word joined humanity to his divinity without division and without confusion not that we become gods or become god not literally in that sense of course that we're not equal to god but rather as peter puts it in 2 peter chapter 1 that we become partakers of the divine nature and so receive by grace God's gift of immortality. For me, for us, for Christians, eternity starts now. Eternity starts today. So what is the gospel story? And we're going to look at, when we could look at several, I'm going to try and look at two most likely one uh, uh, story in, in Jesus's life where he uses this as a um, an illustration, a metaphor to talk about to, uh, salvation. But what is the gospel story? Well, firstly, I would say this, that it, in fact, the gospel is a story, not a theory. And so and it's the story of Jesus coming to reveal the love and mercy of God and how his life, death and resurrection decisively accomplished God's saving work. So the gospel is a story, not a not a theory. But we do have many theories that are that are our human attempts to interpret, to understand how and why. And if you're anything like me, I love a good working theory, a framework, a an equation to try and understand something uh, that is really quite mysterious, that is really quite other. And of course, in, in going to Bible college, you study atonement theories, systematic theology, these, these processes, these systems, these theories to help us try and understand God who is so wholly other. <laughs> whose ways are far beyond my ways, whose thoughts are far beyond my thoughts. And so I would say this this morning, as we delve into this one or two stories in the life of Jesus, that, that God's saving work through Jesus is so, um, it's so multifaceted. There's a constellation of, of metaphors that both Jesus and the apostles uh, spoke of to be able to describe the, the salvation and benefits of salvation found 
in God. So as an example, in the book of Acts, let's look at the story of, of what was preached in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the, the story of the early church. And so Peter or Stephen or whoever it was that was preaching at the, the beginnings of the early church, their message usually went something like this. God sent Jesus into the world to announce the good news of peace, to turn us from our wickedness and save us from ourselves. Jesus was crucified, they would announce, or maybe even they would say that sometimes they would say that you killed him and that God raised him from the dead. And because of this, Jesus is Lord and Saviour. He is making all things new. So now the invitation is to turn to Jesus, to entrust your life to him, and he will make you new as well. This is kind of the, the outline, the overall structure of perhaps the message that was preached by the early church. Less to say the gospel story was something that happened in space, time, history. It was the facts of what happened. It's the story of how Jesus announced, enacted, embodied the good news found in God. So in Luke chapter 19 is one of the stories we're going to look at, but firstly, uh, a question. Have you ever lost any of these items? It's my house keys or my car key or uh, this is my wallet with my cards in it and some identification to know that it's me. I don't, I don't know about you, but whenever I leave my house, I kind of stand there and go, right, have I got my keys, my phone, my wallet? I tap my pockets just to make sure. And if they go missing, suddenly, you know, well, where's, where's my keys? Where's my phone? Where? They're quite functional, yet also expensive, precious items as well these days, aren't they? I don't know if you've ever not just lost something. I don't know if you can remember a time perhaps where you've actually been lost yourself. Often we can feel lost in life, not just perhaps where we've been geographically lost. What about the times where we feel lost in our relationship, in our marriage? What about the times where we feel lost or in our careers, in our journey of life? Perhaps there's been times where some of us have felt lost in our minds, in our emotions. and Others, we can feel lost in our daily habits and life-controlling addictions that we just have lost our way. We can have lost our way in our finances, in our income, in our expenditure. We can lose our way with our friends and the, the influences that we allow in our lives. It's easy to lose our, to find ourselves in the pace of life going, how on earth have I ended up here? Well, in Luke chapter 19, you read the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. And I'll read it, in fact. It says here in Luke 19, verse 1 down to verse 10, 
Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and had become very rich. Now, tax collectors weren't liked. Zacchaeus uh, had decided to be a tax collector and I suppose in many respects uh, pledge his allegiance to the uh, to the Roman Empire, the Roman way of life. He tried to get a look at Jesus as Jesus had arrived there, but he was too short to see over the crowd. I know what you mean, Zacchaeus. I, I feel your pain, mate. He was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. I love that. I just love the fact that Jesus invited himself to his home to be a guest. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. They said, he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if, uh, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And what does Jesus say? Check out Jesus' response. Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus said salvation has come to this home today. <laughs> has come to this home today. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. We're talking about salvation. We're talking about the good news found in Jesus. We're talking about that good news unfolding, uh, being announced, bursting forth throughout the fullness of his life. And Jesus uses this metaphor, these words, this image of how the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. How was Zacchaeus lost? You know, Zacchaeus, it says that he was wealthy, but actually he'd become ostracized from his community because of uh, the choices he'd made about the way of his life. He was someone who had become isolated. And this, this illustration that, that um that Jesus uses is important for a number of reasons. Firstly, it's important because it reveals that Jesus's mission was already happening. That salvation was, was already happening here in this man's home. You see, Jesus, Jesus's mission was definitive, but also not exclusive in, in, in the sense of it being a one-time thing. Now, please don't mishear me. The cross is central to our faith. It, it, it is a definitive moment in the journey of salvation unfolding. 
What I'm trying to do today is to get us to, to look more widely that, that in, in the death and, and resurrection and ascension and incarnation, that the story of salvation in Jesus was unfolding uh, in his daily life. And what I find interesting about this, that as his mission was unfolding, as the, the salvation story of God through Jesus was unfolding here and now in this man's uh, in this man's life and home. I'm amazed at the reaction of the people who were displeased that Jesus went to the home of what they call a sinner, an outcast, someone who was on the fringes, someone who wasn't them. But also this story reveals our lostness as humanity, both as humanity, as people, as individuals as well. And as mentioned, Zacchaeus was someone who'd been alienated from God's community. But Jesus rescued him from his lostness. What I love about this is that when Jesus seeks and finds and reconciles, he does so both to God and to his community. Now, that, that for some times, I think, is lost on us, myself included, in the West, because we have such an individualistic mindset that it's my faith and my faith is private and it's just about me. It's something that I follow and I hold. But in the story of Jesus, it's a, it's, it is about that, but it's about the community as well. So I'd like to say that salvation in Jesus is not limited nor defined to an individualistic story or identity. You are not an individual outside of the community of God. That as followers of Jesus, we are part of God's community, his church. Now, Jesus is reconciling us, yes, to God, but also to one another. So, hence why in the Bible there are many references about Christians, about the community of God, not gossiping about one another, about not arguing or harboring bitterness or unforgiveness toward one another. But these things in Scripture are encouraged for us to address them, to not uh, deny them or ignore them or just pass them by but in the right way at the right time to be able to either go and seek forgiveness from somebody or to extend forgiveness as is needed. So this theme of lostness, we can all find ourselves lost. And of course, in Luke 15, we get the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost son. These three parables drawing an analogy between welcoming sinners to the table of fellowship and finding something precious that had gone missing for whatever reason that was. Church people are precious to God. I once heard it said that the best idea God ever had was people. 
And people are precious to God. You, you, me, those that we serve, our work colleagues, the people that we're driving by in the car that cut us up. And yeah, even them, they are precious to God. And what do we encounter in this particular story? Well, firstly, we encounter this indiscriminate hospitality of Jesus. Of not just going to the place with the people that everybody else were comfortable with and expected. But I'd, I'd say this, Jesus came to my home and thank God that he did. And not only is it a story of the uh, indiscriminate hospitality of God extended toward us, to the world, but also it's our inspiration for our indiscriminate hospitality toward others. And I would say this, that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whether we're listening live now in person or whether we would be catching up during the week, that's fine. At this moment in time, I would still believe this, that Jesus wants to invite himself to your home. I think you'd also like to be invited. <laughs> but even when everybody else is thinking there's no way that Jesus would come to your home, that's exactly where he is found. That is exactly where he is found. So are we jumping for joy at Jesus's invitation of reconciliation, of reintegration, of restoration for those who are on the fringes? Because a lot of the ministry of our church, of course, you know, in, in the sense of that holistic body of the church, all of us included that particularly throughout the pandemic when we think of the pop-up supermarkets that have happened the, the hot meals that have been cooked and delivered the community lunches that have taken place for those who are particularly vulnerable but with people being housed and people still being able to journey in recovery and family activities taking place in all the fullness that they were all of these things are the ministry of the body of the church to which we belonged and an example for us as individuals to say how do I practice this indiscriminate hospitality in my own life just consider for a moment the sense of relief when that thing that we have lost and is found again, that joy, that relief, that excitement, they're back. Now they can fulfill their purpose. So what does this story mean for us today, other than what I've already mentioned in the sense of it's showing the action and mission of Jesus already happening but I think it can mean this we can all find ourselves lost we can be lost in our pursuit of acquiring money or promotion or popularity we can be lost in a sense of shame and guilt and regret we can be lost in pride we can be lost in title, 
we can be lost in all of these ways. What I personally find most challenging, most unsettling about this story and many others in the life of Jesus is that you can also be lost in religiosity, as were the people, as were the Pharisees. How strange, how uncomfortable is it that although Zacchaeus was lost, so were those shouting, questioning, how can Jesus go there? That's not how it's supposed to be done. Jesus, church, is searching for me, for you. And he wants to find us. So if you feel lost today, I come with good news. You don't need to find Jesus. He wants to find you. And I would say even in this moment that he is knocking at the door of our homes, our hearts, and saying, I'd like to come in and break bread. I'd like to come in and share a meal. And in that you will be found. But as Johnny said in his interview, that the heart of the prophetic is that of love, of almost calling people home to return. That God's kingdom is bursting forth and it is the relentless pursuit of loving people. You say, well, Jim, yeah, we know that and that's too easy. And we're, well, we're way past that. Well, I tell you, honestly, if you're way past love, then I don't know where you are. But I don't want to be way past this extravagant, indiscriminate love of God toward us, toward all. And how I unpack that myself is a daily challenge. There are several other encounters, metaphors. I wanted to look at Mark chapter two, where Jesus heals somebody and says, salvation has come to your home. Why? Because Jesus is the great physician. And sometimes what we need is a healer. There are other uh, illustrations as well around ransom, uh, uh, of course, around him being the Lamb of God, the, the, the redemption and jubilee. There are lots of metaphors, which I think I'll hopefully come back to. But I want to I want to land it on this one this morning, actually. That sometimes we can feel lost. We don't know how we've got to where we've got to. We look back and go, oh, my goodness. How did I get here? Whether it be geographically, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. How did I get here? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, our confession is that often we are lost. We're lost, but yet we want to pursue you and Ultimately, we give you thanks that you pursue us. And so, Heavenly Father, today we climb that tree to get a glimpse of you, 
Today, we're, although we're sat down, we're standing up inside and we're looking and saying, Jesus, we don't want to be lost in the crowd, in the busyness. We don't want to be lost in our, in our money or success or uh, promotion or power. God, we don't, we don't want to be lost in those way of life because we know they're not the answer. Today, Jesus, we climb a tree and we look for you. And God, we wait to hear you call us by name to come down and share a meal and be found by you once again. Because Jesus, it's probably our confession that we have been found and lost so many times, not because of you, but because of our choices. So Jesus, this morning once more, whether this be our first time, whether it be our 100th time, whether we became a Christian yesterday, last week or 25 years ago. Jesus, today, we don't want to be lost. We wish to be found. Found in you. Hidden in Christ. And if that means that others say, nah, there's no way. Lord, thank you that you are in our house. And God, give us the strength to open the doors of our homes in the sense of our hearts, the authenticity of our lives to others, to love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.